What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Tooch Talks. This is Tooch, and I will be talking. I know it's been a long time. I don't actually know how long. I've got to go back and look here, but too long, to say the least. But here we are. Could make a bunch of excuses, and I'm sure I probably will at some point. But the truth of the matter is that just haven't been making doing these recordings a priority. And there's always other things going on. You can fill in the time with all sorts of activities. But not doing this has been primary activity of late. And I want to change that. So here we are. Last time I talked with y'all, we had left off. I was talking about some audition stories. I believe I had promised those. From just all the different characters I met drumming and trying to figure out how to make it in this music business here. I remember one guy in San Francisco. I met him off Craigslist. Basically met everybody off Craigslist. That's... There's a little bit of diversity, but basically my whole life so far has been through Craigslist, which is a whole other side story, but I'll, uh, I guess my parents didn't meet on Craigslist, but you know, other than that, it's it's pretty much been a Craigslist life. Uh, met this guy through Craigslist. He was looking for a drummer to learn all of his personal songs. Didn't seem to necessarily have like an end goal in mind when I was emailing him. It wasn't like we have a show that I need to get prepared for or anything like that. It was always very general and more like I want someone to just learn the songs and play them the way that they have been recorded. And by recorded, he meant, you know, like kind of crappy iPhone recordings. All that nice scratchy garbage that very much interferes with the listening process. And so, you know, there was no good representation of his music, really, but he wanted to uh, have a drummer come in and and learn some of the parts. And so it's like, all right, sure thing, man, whatever. If you're going to pay me, I'm going to show up. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't, you know, nothing crazy. 20, 25 bucks an hour or something, but... Any time that I can get paid to play drums, I just look at it as an opportunity for paid practice or, you know, if I get to perform even better, it's, you know, paid paid practice to perform, which is, it's, there's so much to learn about being on stage and, you know, how to, how to deal with all the adrenaline and all that kind of stuff, but... This guy didn't seem, Grasshopper was his name, Grasshopper did not seem particularly interested in any kind of shows, not until his kind of vision was totally perfect, and I was getting all this through email, and so, you know, whatever, I go meet up with this guy, he agrees to pick me up, because I didn't have a car at the time, and where his little studio was was not anywhere that was super accessible. And he picks me up, and he's driving like an SUV, but like an SUV converted into a taxi. 
very much a deadhead looking guy. He's got the you know ponytail pulled back, very scraggly beard, skinny tie dye shirt, the whole nine. I think we were he was listening to the Grateful Dead when he picked me up with a with a joint burning in his mouth, no less. And he took me over to the studio, we're rolling, he starts telling me just a little bit about himself. Doesn't refer to himself as anything other than Grasshopper ever. And you know, why would we he legally changed his name to Grasshopper, so why would he? Uh but Anyways, we're driving over, he's, you know, offering me the joint, and of course I have to take it, because when you're in a SUV with a hippie, and he offers you drugs, you, you can't say no, I mean, that's, that's against some kind of hippie code, I think John Lennon will come back and, you know, haunt your dreams, and nobody wants that, especially not his kids, who he beat on, so, oh, that was dark, sorry. Anyways, we're going over to this guy's house. And not his house, excuse me, his recording studio. And turns out his little recording studio dealy is shared space with a, a audiovisual company. And it's a very kind of disorganized office space that I walk into. There's a few desks with all sorts of camera equipment just kind of strewn about. And we walk in kind of through all of these desks, kind of a maze, and he brings me into this room, and he just has so much gear tucked away. I mean, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars worth of old analog gear. He's got a huge, like, 64-channel board. Uh, I think he had two tape, you know, record-to-tape uh, machines, and... All sorts of instruments. A lot of it was, you know, kind of just crap taking up room. He's very much a hoarder kind of feller in in the music world here. But you could tell he was just super interested in it. And he, through that, he's, he actually did have, I'm, not, I'm remembering now, there, were, there was some iPhone recordings that he sent me, but as we started playing more and more at his studio space, he sent me these older recordings that he had done because he had all this equipment. He could just set it up in this practice space studio. And it was, it was small and cramped, but there's some foam pads up and cheap cymbals and drum heads and whatever. But it sounded... The, the room itself sounded okay. I would argue the music was maybe not quite there yet, but who am I to say? I'm just a drummer after all. Uh, anyways, he would take me, yeah, he'd pick me up basically every time that I would go over to that space. And he would always have the joint, and I'd always have to take it, because again, you can't have John Lennon haunting your dreams. And so we'd go play this very strange jam music. There was some form, and he was oddly very specific about the drum parts in that the things that he had laid down in the past he wanted to replicate exactly and that kind of seemed to be his whole mentality that he needed to get something very very tight with the band before he could even bring it out in public you know he said he had played this stuff in the past who knows how long in the past that was it's very 
when you're talking to this guy, it's very all over the place. He once told me that he was running for mayor of San Francisco as he was uh, operating and owning a taxi company, hence the taxi-converted SUV that he's driving around in. And apparently this taxi company, I haven't verified any of this. This dude could be totally off his rocker making it all of this up and probably is as I continue the story you'll find out but he he is operating this taxi company he says it's really successful he's doing well he starts to get some clout around San Francisco which you know given his demographic kind of hippie not making a lot of sense rambling definitely done way too much acid Totally makes sense that he would fit in in San Francisco and potentially even rise to a position of power. So maybe this story isn't as crazy as I thought it was. But he says, as he's running for mayor of San Francisco, he started to uncover some dirt. And he couldn't tell me what this dirt was. But it apparently implicated in some sense the current administration in San Francisco, I think it was the mayor and, you know, maybe some of the high up people in that office. And, you know, I'd ask, I'd ask him like, what was it? You know, what was, what was the dirt? And he, he wouldn't tell me ever. I asked him a few times cause I was just very curious, especially after he told me that because of this dirt digging, that the mayor fabricated some false charges against him. And they sent him away to jail for a period of time. I think he said maybe like a year and a half, two years. And that he was in solitary confinement for most of that. Which, that'll screw a person up even more than they already are, if that's even true. But uh, anyways, we (laughs) are playing these silly jam music. He's trying to teach me all these drum parts. We probably have like seven or eight songs learned. I keep going back over a period of, you know, probably three months I was working with this guy. And we'd practice probably twice a week for a couple hours. And we start learning the music. I'm getting pretty comfortable with all the drum parts in these the set list that he's laid out. And he's feeling good about it. Man, this dude could not sing, though. That was the most painful part. He was an okay guitar player. You know, he had listened to Enough Dead and copied some licks and done all that stuff. And he could he could play a little bit, but, man, the singing, it's just, it totally makes sense why he's listening to a lot of jam band music because uh, they don't always have the best tonality when it comes to singing either, so you can fit right in. That's kind of always one, been one of my theories on this part part of the success of jam bands i get i get some of it i get the musicianship i get the following kind of but it seems to be to be a lot of fans who can really appreciate the musicianship but can't can't sing like people who are tone deaf kind of tend to like jam bands so it it all makes sense. This guy was damn near tone deaf when it came to singing. And it, we got to probably eight, you know, like I said, eight, ten songs. 
very close to learned. He's getting ready. He's like, all right, I got my drummer locked down. We're going to look for a bass player. We're going to look for a guitar player. We're going to do this thing. We're going we're gonna to finally get a show. we got to you know, get them as locked in as we got you, but I wanted to get a solid drummer first. It's like, cool, man. Let's do that. He comes and picks me up for rehearsal, and the very last time <laughs> I had to tell him, sorry, man, I'm uh, about to move to Los Angeles. I just got the word. I had had an inkling that I would be going, but you don't want to turn down free money and some free experience with a grasshopper. I mean, what would Confucius say about that? That's that's a that's a lottery win to get some free time with grasshopper, some paid time no less. Come on, you gotta. So I might have ridden that gig a little further into the sunset than was recommended or I pushed the limits but I had to tell him moving to Los Angeles good luck and I imagine that he went about that process all over again with some other drummer who might be even listening to this right now let me know if you know about Grasshopper maybe you know the special dirt he was digging up on the mayor of San Francisco we can get a Hot take, special edition, you hear it here first on the corruption in San Francisco, circa 2002, I think. I don't know. This guy's out of his mind, man. Grasshopper? Legally changes his name to Grasshopper? Can you imagine if he won mayor of San Francisco? He should run now. He probably will win. God, that city sucks. Any Hoosiers? Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention the company which Grasshopper shared this rehearsal space with, the audiovisual company, was most likely, most likely and totally in the porn industry. I mean, it seemed, I don't know that for a fact. I didn't see any jizz on the lenses or anything crazy like that. Even, I mean, that could be Grasshopper, you know, getting a little into his own guitar solo there in his spare time. So that doesn't even necessarily mean they were in porn, but they just had that kind of seedy feeling in the desk. And San Francisco is notorious for the adult entertainment industry, as I believe it's supposed to be professionally called. We know, it's a bunch of porno. A bunch of whores. That's what that is. Anyways... What else, what else? Uh, I remember an audition that I went to, this was in San Francisco still, yep. Or was this, no, this is first, right when I first moved to LA actually. This is one of the first auditions I had when I got here. And, uh, you know, basically you get these through Craigslist or there's a few, you know, Facebook groups or word of mouth or posters around town or there's certain kind of agent people that have gigs that they'll post or websites that'll post them. So I found this and basically you send over your resume, send over some videos or whatever. If they like your stuff, they'll invite you out for an audition. 
and they just kind of send you the details of where it's going to be, you know, what time, what to bring. And uh, of course, this they they love doing this to drummers where they'll say we have music, so just bring, you know, bring your sticks. Everything is set up. We've got music for you. There will be physical music. And for someone who reads music, although definitely not the best music reader, when I, when I hear that there's going to be music to read, I expect a complete chart to read. One that you can see the hi-hat part, and a snare drum, and a bass drum, and each note is individually notated in its correct spot in the right rhythm. And that almost never happens. I can't tell you how many times I've been to auditions or even, you know, arrived at gigs or shows where they've said they're going to have music. And it's the most basic thing you can imagine. I mean, it's it's like, oh, what's, uh, what's the analogy here? I guess what's coming to mind here, it's like a complete note chart should read like the Bible where all the different parts are in there and you can reference, you know, what part you're in and you can go back, you can see what measure you're in, for example, how many bars there are. You can do that, you know, Deuteronomy ten fifteen or whatever. You can do that in music. A lot of times what you'll get as a drummer is like the kid's version of the Bible with a lot of pictures like a picture book I don't know if they think we're really stupid or what it is I feel a little talked down to you but it'll give you very broad brush strokes you know it won't tell you about all of Jesus's disciples it'll just maybe name one and tell you a story of another different one and not really give you the biography of that one It'll just jump between stories. There's no rhyme or reason. A lot of times it'll just have the vaguest parts laid out. It won't even have notated whether it's the hi-hat, whether it's the snare drum. It'll just have kind of one line and everything pulled out, and it'll just be like eighth notes, and then maybe when you're supposed to rest, you rest. And so I was rolling to this audition expecting music. And I get there, drive to the place, got to park, go inside. There's all these musicians and people are nervous. And, you know, I'm, this is one of my first auditions in L.A. I don't really know what I'm walking into, so I'm definitely a little bit nervous too, but not to the extent of everyone else. There's kind of this weird tension going on in there. And I start kind of warming up, getting ready. Always show up early. If you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. Shout out to Pops for that one. Learned that from a young age. And so I'm, I'm there early and warming up, start warming up. And I'm just overhearing people talk Everyone else is making small talk. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to win. This is my gig. And I'm listening to these people talk. And I hear one guy say he drove all the way here from Texas. 
you know, another guy's come from, I think, San Francisco or somewhere up in Northern California. You're talking you know, hours of hours of driving or or flight out here, no less, like hundreds of dollars on a flight. And I'm thinking, well, this is, I mean, I'm here to audition. I want to be a drummer, yada, yada. But this isn't like my dream thing. I would never drive 10 hours for this audition where the description is nothing more. I have as much information as everybody else here. There's no information about payment. You know, it says paid, but there's no, this is the contract you'll sign. It just, I don't even think they gave you like a guarantee a week or anything. It just says paid rehearsals and paid shows, which in, in, in this world, that can mean nothing. That means you, you know, maybe you make 10, 15 bucks an hour at a rehearsal and then you might split evenly at the door, whatever you can pull in as a band, you know, which you could go home with 30 bucks. If that, you know, I've gone home with far less. I remember one, one gig I, I did up in San Francisco there. We were doing like a late night on a Sunday, I believe. And didn't bring a whole lot of people out as this CD motorcycle kind of rock bar in Oakland and at the end of the night, there's two bands playing, us and one other band. And at the end of the night, I go over to the bartender to figure out, you know, what we made, what did we make on drinks, percentage and stuff. I knew it wasn't going to be a lot. But he comes to me and says, well, I got $13. So you figure out how you want to split it with the other band. I said, well, we we brought almost all the people so i think we should get more and so the guy hands me seven dollars which is indeed more than the six dollars that he was going to give the other band and you know that didn't even pay for gas for the truck to get over to the gig but that's just how it is and so these drummers are coming from all these crazy places to try and score this gig where they have no guarantees. Uh, I've, you know, I've been screwed over a, a couple times here, or at the very least been misinformed for a, a long period of time by people who made promises which they couldn't keep because other people made false promises. That happens a lot. So I've kind of... I wasn't quite as heady to that when I first moved to L.A., but still, to do all that driving and come out, I I can't knock the hustle, but it's a little bit stupid. It's So, I'm not, that doesn't really make me more nervous, but it's just kind of, it ups the ante a little bit in that there's this much competition going on that, you know, they liked my my stuff enough to actually invite me to the audition, and there's all these people coming from much further away than me, so I want to go in and, you know, put on my best best face there. And wait, they they send in basically waves, so you'll get paired up with like a guitar player and a bass player, and maybe a piano player, and you'll just get sent in as a group not having any idea what the music is. Again, they said there was going to be physical music for me to play, but I haven't heard any tracks. I don't know any information 
other than show up at this time at this place, there is compensation. Literally as vague as that. So I get in my group with guitar player, bassist, everyone's saying, you know, hi, what's up? We go into the audition room and everything's all set up. Obviously drums, amplifier set up on this kind of mini stage with some lights. And then over to the side, there's two or three folding tables with, you know, probably four or five adults just kind of sitting there with notebooks taking notes, kind of checking everybody out. One guy's clearly uh, supposed to be the liaison to all the musicians, and he starts kind of telling us, you know, welcome, you know, you can get ready, drums over there, guitar here, whatever. And then over in the corner, I spot this this kid who couldn't be more, couldn't be more than 13 years old, man. This little chubby white kid wearing like a purple sequin kind of glitter scarf around his neck which is cool you know you do whatever you want to do man you rock your fashion if that's what you want to do at your age you go get it but already alarm bells are kind of going in my head thinking like well you don't usually wear a purple scarf unless you're lead singer type, little diva-ish, kind of. Don't want to stereotype to all you purple scarf wearers out there. But uh, it oftentimes comes with the territory. Now that I start noticing, you know, a, a few of the adults are taking cues, clearly, from this kid. He's giving them directions. He's asking for water. You know, one of them might have even, even been hand-fanning him at one time. I could be making that up, but... It seemed like that kind of environment where this kid was just very much a point and other people get shit done for him. And he's just used to that. That's been his life. I have no idea what his backstory is. I still don't know. But he just had kind of that aura, that air of comes from a lot of money, comes from a family somehow involved in the industry and has had a lot of things given to him immediately. Because he starts getting a little crabby when the water is not coming fast enough or when the guy hand-fanning him isn't isn't fanning them hands quite fast enough. You can tell he's getting a little irritated over there. He's getting a little red in the face, not just because he's a little tubby. And so we're getting ready, and I pull, you know, there's quote-unquote music on these stands that they have ready for us. So I go over and look at the music, expecting again total charts to be read the full the bible in its fullest form i i don't want to have to fill in all the blanks from the kids bible you know tell me what animals were on the ark i don't want to have to name all of them myself here but to my surprise at the time i I would not be surprised anymore but to my surprise it's the dumbed down kitty version and we're also playing along to a track, which when you're not wearing in-ear monitors and you're just going to an audition cold, it's not like there's a sound check. It's very much, okay, guys, we're going to do the song that's first on the sheet. Uh, it's eight counts in on the click track, and then we're going to get started. Maybe we'll listen to it one time through to kind of get a feel for it. And then after that, it's go time. Uh, so I think we listened through 
yeah, we did. We listened through first, kind of got a feel, and I'm looking at the music, trying to take some quick notes and fill in the blanks of all these missing pieces. And I get what I can done, and then it's time. It's time for the diva to shine. And little, little Tub Tub in the perp scarf, he uh, makes his way onto the stage, and he, you know, he's not saying hi to anybody. He's not saying thanks for coming out. It's gonna, you know, uh, looking forward to playing with you here today. You know, like let's have some fun. I get it. He's a young kid. He's not necessarily gonna take a leadership role. But just a little bit of, you know, interaction would be nice. Uh, he he had this wall, and again, that, that aura about him of that kind of untouchability. Don't get near me. I'm not really interested in what you have going on. And they count it off. We get the click track. Eight counts in. Start diving into the first song. You know, I had heard it in that first first listen through and I knew I wasn't gonna like it right then and there but then as we started playing it the first the first time through I start listening more to like the lyrics of what's going on as we sit in a verse where it's comfortable I can just have my mind wander from drums a little bit and I start hearing the lyrics and they're talking about you know the the Wizard of Oz and the glass slipper there's these references to the munchkins and I'm just like what what is going on this is this is weird but maybe it's just you know the kid got inspired by one song or whatever for for one song to write this wizard of oz kind of homage because he just loved that movie so much so whatever we get through the song Tubby Tub can't he can't really sing. I mean, bless his heart, he's twelve. He's just going through puberty. He doesn't even know what his voice is yet. But definitely not not charismatic. Not not to the point where he should have all these adults waiting on him and all these musicians driving to support him as an act. I get that right away. That's already like this is this is chaos. Then we get into the second song. And we do the same procedure where we listen to it. And I'm listening to it again before we play it. And I'm hearing, again, all these these Wizard of Oz references. And Scarecrow. And Cowardly Lion. And the Tin Man. And I, I just realized right then and there as I'm listening, I'm like, I don't want this gig. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not rich by any means. I, I'm just fresh to LA looking for work. But there was just no part of me that wanted to play this music, that wanted to be near this kid, that wanted to be involved in this organization that's waiting on this kid hand and foot. And like in that moment, I was like, I don't, I don't know that there's enough money. It would be hard to convince me to do that gig you know there's a there's a limit for sure I, my my soul can be partially bought here especially while i'm working my way up the ladder but i mean it would have to be a lot and it was definitely more than these guys were gonna <laughs> throw at a drummer for this kind of gig so i just r realized right then and there i didn't want this gig and it's a very weird feeling to 
be playing in front of people, be performing, be performing with other people that potentially are still into this gig and want to get it. And meanwhile, we start playing the second song and I'm just sitting there not playing particularly well. And honestly, I started laughing (laughs) just at the ridiculousness of the whole situation because the kid starts going on some ridiculous vocal run and his voice cracks and I'm just, I can't, I couldn't handle it. I needed, needed to laugh, needed to laugh. So I didn't cry about how ridiculous this shit is. I think we did one more song and, you know, barely made it through that. My my mind was already gone at that point. I was already thinking about, you know, what's for lunch or whatever was going on at the time. That was, and it sucks because you don't want to do a disservice to the people who came out to audition, and you never want to perform poorly in front of people. And I mean, especially as much as I don't want to get swept up into the chaos of the industry, you don't necessarily want to perform poorly in front of industry people because they might know someone who might know someone who might know someone. And then all of a sudden you're in, uh, you know, a band that you always wanted to be in or they're able to connect you with the right people. It's crazy how much of that takes place out here. And so (laughs) I didn't feel good about my poor performance in front of people especially you know you never want to sound shitty in public and especially during an audition there's other people like i said these people came from far away some of these guitar bass players i'm sure it came from just as far as some of these drummers that were coming from texas and stuff and my poor playing is also going to be a detriment to their performance so it's just one big shit show Wizard of Nas, thank you. It was terrible. And, uh, didn't get the gig. No surprise there. I knew it. Didn't want it. Didn't get it. And now we're on to bigger and better things. At least that's the plan. Working on it. Oh, I definitely got more of these, but I want to keep these reasonably short to start. I don't want to get too crazy. So I think I'm going to leave it there. And I want to be taking more questions as well. I did that, I believe, the first episode. And I'd like to do some more of that. So I've put it up on my Groover Instagram. If you want to DM me there, you can DM me there with questions. You can email. I just set up the email. Toochtalks at gmail.com. T-U-C-T-A-L-K-S at gmail.com. can be drum-related. I don't really have much insight or advice to offer, but... I say what I can, I say what I think, and if that's helpful in a drumming capacity or otherwise, I know other people 
saying what they think and what they feel has been helpful to me. So I would just like to pass along the favor, if I can. Just testing out the waters here. This could be a big old nothing burger. Could just be talking to myself like a crazy person. But hey, it's cheaper than therapy. All right, boys and girls. I'll see you all next time on Tooch Talks. Thanks for listening. Bye.